would we do without Carmex in the wintertime? Are you a Burt's Bees guy or Carmex? No, I don't use any of it. I get, I, I think that it's addictive, and I, I just, I just go, I just, I just don't do it. Lip balm is addictive. It is Burt's Bees. They, that, that's I mean, a hot take, right don't there. Don't even get me on. Don't get me started on Burt's Bees. Wait, is there is there like some sauce in there that I'm supposed to know about that is addictive? No, I just think that. Well, is this a conspiracy theory I don't know about? I think that go look up Burt's Bees. Not, I'm not trying to knock Burt's Bees, but go oh, go, go read about it. Go read about Burt's Bees. I've already went down that <laughs> rabbit hole. Don't I'm not putting that stuff on my mouth. Interesting. All right, guys. That's an interesting way to start this edition of the Pure Tennis Podcast. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Nate here, joined by my man JP. It's December 31st. This podcast will probably be j- dropping on New Year's Day or sometime <coughs> early in this upcoming week. But I wanted to get back in here before we get started in the 2023 season, kind of recap everything we just kind of saw and kind of do like a room temperature check on the top guys on the ATP tour, as well as highlight some of our favorite matches. And we have to talk about, uh, we got to do the top three rackets of this year. I know we've done a lot of racket talk. Yeah. I mean, it's the end of the year. Like it's the end of the year. You got to do all your, all your top tens. We do. Let's, let's, let's or just, top fives. let's kick off. Let's just, let's stick with three, the, the top three rackets of this season that I felt like made the most headway in the market. I don't know if you guys will be surprised by any of these. Joe and I, we, we kind of hashed it out over kind of what we saw on the tour, in the junior market, uh, college market, and just kind of what the hype was about. And I, I'm i just interested if you guys have any thoughts on where we where, where we went wrong there. DM us, Pure Tennis Podcast, on Instagram. Top three rackets of this season. We got Pure Aero VS, the racket that we saw between Carlos FAA and Holger. I mean, it dominated the racket. It dominated the tour for most of the... the especially mid- at the end. Especially at the end. But, I mean, the run that Holger from 102 to number 10 at, at one point, Felix just continued to improve, and then Carlos. Let's just... Before we, before we get to the, to the, the yeah. two and three rackets, let's just talk about those three guys in specific, like specifically. Carlos, at, at 17, 18 years old, we, we kind of saw that he had the it factor. And I think that was when it got the tennis world excited because Roger was on his way out. He had already had the knee problems. He didn't look like he was going to be able to recover uh, physically. We saw Rafa had kind of continued to battle injury, and we weren't. We, we're still like every tournament, every slam that Rafa plays in. It's like, could this be his last at this level? So it's like you're at that point where then you have Novak being axed out of a lot of these big events, and it's like we needed another staple. In the in the uh, on the tour, another like household name that would grab a bunch of attention is like this guy has a future is one of the greatest. I think Carlos has done that. He's given everybody that taste of like this guy is gonna break records. It's like he's got the goods and at his age, his maturity, the the weaponry that he possesses, the mentality. He loves to compete. He's got all the athletic attributes that you need. And we saw Carlos Alcaraz in 2022 solidify all those things that we kind of had hinted at maybe in 2021 and he had a remarkable year yeah as a 19 year old too winning a major just kind of like it puts a little pressure on him the 2023 because now does it though i think so because it's like but he's yeah i mean it just opens the door for the, the now the great before it was just like this whisper that he was gonna yeah, be, be he yeah. was gonna be the guy but he and he I did mean, it he, now yeah. he, now he's got to own it 
all but, year. I mean, he went and grabbed Miami, the Miami Open. I believe that was his first Masters 1000s mm-hmm. title. And it didn't seem like the the moments have never been too big for him, which is a, a different thing. I mean, especially at the U.S. Open when he's playing a match that maybe, yeah, obviously he was favored against Rubens. At Rube, the end of like, the year, the he played like the better player. He's starting to get smashed off the court. That's all I'm saying. No, no. Go, when, when Gofan got him, I was like, whoa. When Gofan got whoa, him in straight. Oh, come on. David Gofan cannot get you. Snapped his neck. That's true. Gofan snapped your neck. 50, <laughs> 55 and 13, he finishes the season, takes home the U.S. Open title, and takes home the world number one ranking to end the season. I would say that's a pretty yeah. damn good season for a teenager. Yeah. So, I mean, the excitement there. Then Felix, a guy that we've been watching for. It feels like for it feels like a decade. I know he's only twenty three right now, or tw- yeah, maybe twenty four. No, I think he's twenty three. I mean, it felt like we've been watching him forever. And although it, he went from number eleven to start the season, and now he's to number six. Didn't make a final of any of the slams, but I felt like as a tennis player, we believe in Felix at a different level than we did the year before. I agree with that. He solidified himself across all surfaces. He showed that his serve plus one is as good as anybody on the tour. He didn't. Look like his game style and sh- like his attacking was as kind of uh, predictable and stiff as I thought it was last yeah, year. That less stiff. Yeah, it it was it was it was stiff. It seemed like it was very rigid and like he was just gonna like attack and like these hit these, hit into these massive targets and not really take many chances. And then he didn't want to come forward too much. He yep. just wanted he wanted to punish you from the baseline with the forehand and then stay solid behind the backhand. But it felt like he had made a, a conscious effort. I would say in 2022 to really lean on the forehand and try to dictate and try to work the outer parts of the court, get guys like more west and west and east, and, and then kind of finish guys at the net, which was a big thing because he was one of the best servers on the tour. I think he was top three in aces this year. I think he's got the – you and I were looking at the serves, and I, he was up – I mean, in every stat, as right. you got to put him in as like – he might not – be the greatest server on tour, but he's top, no, he's top three, four, top, top three, four, three, four, five. But yeah. then, like he's ATP, that, the and, and he's, podcast he's, was saying that the reason that he's taking over is that he's playing tennis now instead of just doing something that he's he's way less stiff. Yeah, no, he's, he's way less he, stiff. He was super. See, he was very yeah. stiff, and I think I was bummed by uh, the ATP guys that we uh, I, we got to meet in Cincinnati. They came in and they had kind of give us some nuggets on the Netflix series. I was bummed to hear that Felix wasn't letting the the crew in after losses. Uh, maybe maybe that's he knows himself. I'm sure better than we than we can kind of speak for him. So he, maybe he knows that he wouldn't have handled it the way he would like to be portrayed into the media, which I guess is fair. But it's like tennis needs, especially a guy like him who we could have as one of the premier faces of our sport. They that like the authenticity and like the realness and like the tennis is hard and it's like only showing his success when he wins matches in that type of locker room. It's like, we want to see the, both sides of the, the emotional spectrum is like, what, what, what are your highs? What do those look like? What do your lows look like? And how does your team kind of regroup and get back to kind of getting you back on track? And cause Felix is one of those guys that won 60 matches, lost 27. He's on court a ton. He's playing almost every week. It feels like whether it's a 250, 500 master, he's playing all the time. So it's like, I would love, love to know behind the scenes, like, when he loses, it's like, is it just like right on to the next match, or how, how is that kind of handled? But anyway, Felix had a spectacular year. Uh, thought he was super impressive, and I think going into this year, I could see him being one of those guys that you look at more of now as like a real contender. Lastly, Holger Rune, the guy that we had on this podcast a year ago, um, one of the episodes that we 
kind of now cherish because we, I have to say, to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. We knew. We knew a little bit. I mean, I, I, I talked to you. You were like, how good do you think he can be? And I said, I said at the end of this year, I, said, I think I said top 20. Then Holger comes on the podcast. He said his goal was to be top 25, win three titles. And he seemed like it wasn't even like a goal. It's just like when he was talking on the podcast, he was super confident that like he could reach these milestones and reach them quickly. But what he did to his body with like adding muscle on, but like doing it, I guess like I'm not a doctor or physio or anything, but like it looked like he did it the right way. Didn't look like he added too much at one time. Just gradual strength building that he was able to do throughout the season. And now you look at him right now it, down in Australia hitting already. His body is in a different place than it was yeah, a year ago. It, well, because it was physical for him, I think, coming in because he the, was the already, cramps and everything. Yeah, in the when it's like it's almost at the same time when he figured out how to stop cramping. Yep, because he's never stopped the hitting the ball no, his, at that ball at that pace. Like he's still hitting it every yep. he, with the win over Djokovic too. Like he just you and I were talking on the way over that. Rolex that was the Paris one time it's like, there's the template on how to beat Djokovic, but good luck trying to ma- exactly. try to mirror that. Exactly. Swing out of your shoes. And he For faced her. match points, didn't he? I think he faced, yeah. Yeah, I think he faced match point. And bombed. And he, just the just back. Bombs off the, it, yep. every freaking point. I think the backhand has been one of the most, one of the most lethal two-handed backhands on the tour. But now it's the forehand. I mean, you've seen Murata um really work on the wrist has been a big emphasis is like his finish letting it loose, letting it turn over, and letting it more of a free-flowing forehand. It was pretty... Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, we're being, it was a little more rigid and like stiff of a finish. It didn't feel like he was really letting loose like you see like the Kyrgios's or the Rafa's where it's just a complete racket flip, let the spin do the talking. And now he's getting that fluidity into that swing, and he's moving incredibly well. So, I mean, that's just his movement. He's a, he's a freak athlete. I mean, yeah. he's six foot two-ish, moves very well. He's just got a lot of bounce in his game. At his height, he serves incredibly well. I think, I mean, for him already to be a guy that's in that pushing to be top 10 at 19, it's it's an incredible story. So shout yep. to those three guys using the pure arrow. I guess it's just the pure arrow now. We won't go into any more debates. <laughs> Other two rackets that we had, the Wilson Blade V8 and the E-Zone. The the Blade V8, guys got, of course, you got Sitsipas, Korda, um, and a bunch of the women. I mean, the women. The WTA is loaded with the with the V8. Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul. Shout out to TP. TP's a man. He's the man. Um, Hachinov. Yep. Halep, Sabalenka, Bedosa, Keys. Yep. It's it's just insane how many people are using that. And then the E Zone. Last shout out the Yonex E Zone 2022 edition dropped. It's a beautiful colorway. You got Casper, Kyrgios, Osaka, Bublik, JPEG, J. Pagula, got to shout out JPEG. So many, I mean, it's just cool to see that, like, how the trends in the market go. And uh, the E Zone was not on this list yet. I don't know to date until they dropped this latest model. And now it's one of the premier power sticks in the game. And so, those are the three rackets that we use the most. That's fair. That's I mean, fair. Those are the, if we have any demo ra- rackets in the bag. 2022, if those, I have to think back at 2022, those are the rackets. Shout out to you. were uh, always rocking the E Zone. I was rocking the Blade. I'm getting. I think I'm shifting. I think I'm shifting off the Pure Arrow Plus. I think I've got to go with the E-Zone Plus 3. I think so. I just, the color alone is what gets me. Like that icy colorway is, it's a beautiful stick. It's good. So let's, I, I wanted to do, before we get into the top matches, actually, let's do top matches. I, I can't, we can't wait. Top three matches of the year. Number one, Alcaraz Center 
definitely number one. Quarter, I, yeah, I don't know if, guys, I would love to debate on this if you guys think otherwise, but it's like, if you guys didn't watch that match, go back. It's, you won't, it's, it's worth it. Like, the level from ball one till whatever they were, four hours in, and that fist set, it was the ball striking, the shot making, the, just like the length, the length of every rally at that, like that type of pace was insane. And they're working the, the outer thirds of the court. And the momentum shifts. The momentum shifts, point. the crowd. I mean, those guys put on an epic show and it wasn't even in a final, but it felt like, it felt like that should have been the final. Yeah, like if there was like a stat that I would think back to that match would be that the the amount of winner defenses where someone hits just a ripping winner, like that's a winner. And then you just see <laughs> one of them, you know, and then the point just gets extended on these like defense. Like both of I them mean, just have the best winner defense shots that and exist. I think it was part of the thing that like for tennis fans where we're like, where's tennis going to be when – like, because we, we didn't see Novak play in half the majors because of, um, yeah, we just didn't get to see Novak. Yeah, was... So it's like we were all wondering, like, where's tennis going to be after these guys are gone? And we got to see that in that match alone where it's like, oh, tennis is going to be fine. Yeah. Tennis is going to be in a good a good place. And that match was just, like, eye-opening for me. Me too. Match number two, Rafa, Medi, oh, yeah. Aussie Open final. That was A banger to start the year. Yeah. I remember staying open. I, I was one eyeballing it in the third set. I'm like, oh, man, Rafa's made it all the way here, and he's not going to be able to capture it. But, I mean, once Rafa figured out that Medi wanted nothing to do with coming forward, he just stuck with that strategy till the end, found his rhythm, got Medi out of sorts. And got him out of sorts, and then Medi tried to start mirroring his game and trying to do it back to him, which that's Medi's heel. It's like, stop doing that, and that he couldn't break it. He couldn't get and it out that, of it. It seems like that match put Medi, like, in like a back, like a constant backpedaling, almost like mentality for this. Yeah, because he season. was world number one at that moment. Yeah, and like he never seemed to regain his footing or his confidence the whole season, in my opinion. I never yeah. saw like he seemed indestructible for for the last three years. Before he was the best hardcore player, bar none. Like he he was the guy, and Rafa like kind of took a chip out of him, and it seemed like it it really kind of messed with him. And I, I feel like Medi lost that mentality where he felt like he was going to win no matter what. Yeah, cuz he was he was pushing through. I mean, that 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 match was all Medvedev and he was going to walk was. he was, was walk through him. It was it was he dominated the first two and a half sets. Yeah. And then then it just Rafa, stopped. like Rafa's facial expressions, his body language, like everything about him, like the way he was carrying himself, like I know he was going through his routines like he always does, you know, sprinting back, jogging back, but it didn't look like Rafa believed like that he could do it that day. And all of a sudden, like, it was, like, one one rally, one shot where I kind of remember where it's, like, he saw, like, oh, Muddy didn't, Muddy didn't like that. That didn't, that wasn't yeah, a comfortable shot. he just shot. did it over and And he over. just, like, set in, it set in for him that, like, this is the way he's going to go throughout this match. And yeah. got the break back and. It felt like he was going to, like, Rafa was going to, like, well, you're going to beat me, but I'm going to do this to you and have fun. It's going to, it's going to hurt. And then it's, like, Muddy didn't want it. No. Didn't Medi, want it. No. And I think. And like, maybe he got hurt that day because I know he tore his abdomen up. I don't know if it was that match. It might have been in that match, but after that, it's like we never saw Medvedev again. No, we never. It's all like, year, he, it was like a. It was like he a won again, st- though. No, he did. He won. What did he win? Something. Something. No, he did win, but it's like it just didn't seem like it was the same, Medi. Nope. Last match, Alcaraz versus Tiafo. Quarterfinals. That no, 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 no. That was the semifinals. Semi. Semifinals of the 
U.S. <laughs> Open, yep. five setter, a six seven six three six one six seven six three win for Alcaraz. But I think that match, obviously, we've, we just talked about Alcaraz and everything he did, but that match was huge for American tennis. The, to see a guy like Tiafo on maybe arguably the biggest stage, Arthur Ashe in our sport, compete against the world number one and hold his own and just give the crowd, like, put, he put on, a, like, a show. He was tra- he was an entertainer that day, and that's what tennis needed in that moment. And I had a bunch of friends that I don't consider tennis friends or tennis fans that were tuned into that match, and it was like... It was weird. That match was strange because the the sets that Tiafo would win were all in tiebreakers. Yep. He, that, he went on a, a run of, like, I think it was like nine or ten or eleven straight tiebreakers he won right. in a row. It was incredible. But what for me, what I was gonna say was that it was it was so emotionally draining for Tiafo. I feel because the crowd was so behind him to win that set because he won the first set and then it was like bam, bam, Alcaraz yep. just came like you know right. And then it's yep. like gets the fights back in and gets fourth. the fourth yep. in a tiebreaker and then it was like. What was the last set? Six three. Okay, well that wasn't. No, it was, but it, you, but it was still. You, you never really felt like in that fifth set that Tiafo could could pull it out. Alcaraz just felt, yeah. yeah, just walking and that, out. And that's when we all were like, oh, this Alcaraz kid, he's it's a good he's, match. He's gonna be around for a while. Yeah, honorable mention for me in the Rublev. Chilich. Rublev Chilich in the French. When Chilich took him out. Yeah. That was that was five sets. Ten, ten two in the in the fifth set. That was great. Uh, so we watched record. that one together. We that did. was good. Chilich was, I was so happy for. I mean, Chilich had like a, he, he was like revived this year. Yeah. Like he's, imagine if Chilich, Gruskin and I on the Crack Rackets talked about this. Imagine if Chilich played with this mentality that he played with this past season for his whole career. He was always, pretty, like he always played more of a cautious game style where he was like res, like reserved in how he attacked. He was always afraid to like be the person that was laying on the wood for the majority of the matches, and he liked to kind of counterpunch and work himself into matches and use his fitness level to kind of wear guys down a little bit. And he was not—I'm not, not going to say he was a grinder at six foot six, but he definitely wasn't hitting. I mean, he like hitting missiles, scraping right. forehands, trying to redline like he has been, and he's a good enough, clean enough ball striker to do that. Yeah. And like he showed that against Rublev, one of the. Biggest ball hitters we have, yeah, and he did it on a, on a clay court, yep. Like, so I thought I'm like, that was just I thought I was like, man, imagine if Chilich had just had this mentality his whole career. It's like now he's 35 or whatever, and it's like still playing at a top 20 level. Got to tip your hat to him, but it's like, man, it's 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 just a little bit too late for you to kind of reach yep. your, your the goods at where you could have found yourself in a couple more slams. But he did get his his uh, U.S. Open title. So, yeah, I mean, you win a, you win a slam in this era. It's no joke. Um, before we get to the ending, I want to do a top ten, like a draft of kind of where we feel like I know the rankings are what they are, but like Curious said, I mean that's I don't know if that's the greatest indicator of where you would place your uh, poker chips on on a, on a match in and match out basis. I want to do a little room temperature check on a few of the biggest names in, in on the ATP tour, uh, and kind of see where 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 you feel I'm am I hitting or am I cold, <coughs> am I cold on these? Let's go. Start off with Novak Djokovic. He will be back in the Australian Open where he has not lost since 2018, almost, or 20, I think it's like five years since he's since he's lost a match in this event. Um, it's crazy. Which is insane. So he's the defending champion. Yeah. Um, 
there's going to be two defending champions, Rafa and Novak. Two, right. Two of the greatest players of all time will be defending champions at the Australian Open. That's a... So are they going to seed him on cross bracket? They should. <laughs> <laughs> so Novak's on a revenge tour right now. Where do you feel like, I mean, in one, in one aspect, his legs are going to be, I, I would think, fresher than... Because yeah, you put Alcaraz as a one seed because he's world number one, right? Or are you going to put Djokovic as world number one, or as, as, the, as the Aussie number one? No, we'll... At the Australian Open, I mean, the odds don't lie. Novak Djokovic currently sits at plus 115. Carlos is plus 600. So I, I'm i with Vegas on this. I think Novak Djokovic, despite not having the world number one ranking by his name, that's the best player in the world right now. Agreed. So Novak, I think he's due for a big season. I think he's going to win, I'll say, I'll say two slams this year. And he's going to, overtake ah, nope I think Rafa wins the French again so I think they both finish this year with 20 23 slams that's I mean that's that's great I think that I gotta I I, I feel like this is Novak I think Novak's gonna win the Aussie I think that you go into the French Open is gonna make a big argument there I don't nah, come on now I think that oh, I mean the king of red clay baby I know, but he got through Djokovic no. last year when Djokovic was the first tournament back, and he just literally got off the bus and didn't even you have. Forgot shoes. about your boy Rublev taking him out in Belgrade. Oh uh, yeah, that's <laughs> no, so. that 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 did happen, but that was that that that's, was literally that, was, that yeah. was him coming back to tennis. He hadn't even held a so racket yet. Next guy we got up, King Kyrgios. King Kyrgios coming in with some serious confidence after, I mean, I think that's his best best year of his career. Finished the year forty and twelve. Had one of the highest winning percentages on the tour. That's buried. Seven, like seventy-eight percent or whatever it was. That's it's buried. like when he played, he won, and he didn't play any clay events like he hasn't in the past, like past however many years. So I mean, essentially, you're in the eight months that he played, he won forty matches, and he was a factor in the biggest events. Put on a show in doubles as well. Captured the Grand Slam with Kakanakis. I thought what he did for tennis, what he did for himself, and kind of his, um, for his tennis resume. I thought he had a spectacular year. Well, and it's it's going to be a big doubles team if that's true with him and Djokovic at Indian Wells. That'll be too. fun. Like he's putting double. Like how can you? I, I get. I guess I get it because I know what people are going to say back to me. But how can you not be a fan of this guy who literally is making doubles tennis, which has been irrelevant? Exactly. I like, would, I will watch that. Exactly. Like the Bryan brothers were fantastic, great players. I'm sorry, but they didn't bring any eyeballs to the TV. Like okay, honest, I don't know one would person. Would you watch Brooksby Corda? Or would you watch oh, doubles? Brooksby quarter or doubles? Yeah. Like like Curious doubles? Indian Wells is on and you have the choice Kyrgios to Djokovic? watch Curious Djokovic. I'm watching Curious and Djokovic. There you go. It's a joke. Come on. It's not even close. But it's like, like any Korda other year. And Bur- that's a good match, Korda and Brooksby, but yeah. it's like, stop it. I'm watching Novak Djokovic and Nick Curious play doubles. Me too. And that's, we, we have not. I would not, never have said that before. Though. No. We have never had players put doubles on the map like Curious has because the best players weren't playing and Curious is. He obviously he loves doubles, but it's like I think he. I, I have to believe that he's doing this for, like because he thinks doubles is cool, and he wants other people to think doubles is cool. Yeah, and he wants to play with these guys that are legends and that are going to go in the history books. And it's like he has this mentality that other players have not had. And I mean, we've had plenty of special talents like the Bryan brothers, Jack Sock, all these tremendous guys that are winning slams. But it's like nobody's watching these these doubles slams. No one yeah. could tell you who won any of the slams. But now, like, and they drop out if they make it, like Holger Rune and Titsy Pot. That, that's a good team, but yep, they drop they out. They drop out exactly. So I think what what Kyrgios <coughs> did for tennis, what he did for his resume, 
unbelievable. I, I expect him to be a factor in the Australian Open, on Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open. I think he's he's talked about it. He wants to win a slam before it's all said and done. And until he does that, I think we're going to get a lot of good Nick Kyrgios tennis. Next guy we got up, Yannick Sinner. After falling to Alcaraz in the epic top, one of the top matches of the year, I mean, top matches of the decade. Yeah, he's got to get his feet back. It didn't Something. see... He, it's like Carlos ripped his soul out, and we mm-hmm. hadn't we didn't see Yannick Sinner like, like I'm like he, like he it's like he fell off. It was like he was like I, I need time to like recover from this match, and I hope hopefully he's repatched and uh, feeling healthy for for this. I think that was like he that was his moment. He's gonna beat Alcaraz, and it's gonna, like he, it, it got pulled out from under him because he, he was there in every yeah. single point, literally. He put it all on the table. He played well enough to beat anybody Hit in the world. He literally could have beat anybody in the world that yeah. day, probably besides Carlos. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that had to hurt. I mean, like, to train your whole life for 22 or 21, 21, yeah. I guess 21, 21 years, and you get into a moment like that where it's, the crowd is electric, that, like, you can, you they know that, like, those, oh, two, dude, those with, two guys knew that they were playing out. Like, when it's with every sport, too, like, there's times when you're playing your best and you get beat, that hurts way worse than if you're just playing bad and you get smoked. But if you're playing your best tennis... And someone just beats you and just edges you out. That is just devastating. Because it's point. just like your head's like, what do I have to do? And it's like, probably play someone other than Alcaraz first. <laughs> get, get back out there on somebody else. <laughs> no, I think that's a, a very some... good point. I think that's probably why it hurt him so bad. And it's probably why it's a match that he won't forget anytime soon. Yeah. But I would like to yeah. see Sinner get back to kind of getting his swagger back. Because I think when Sinner's playing well, I mean... His what he has off the floor is incredible on yeah. both wings. Center, Rune, and Alcaraz, the young guys coming in, slapping, like, just, ball. just so ripping the cover off. So good. Next guy we got up, Stefanos Tsitsipas, uh, another guy that we saw lose lose some juice. This this was after the curious Wimbledon loss. He seemed like I mean, in the <coughs> in the presser, he was not happy how curious. Apparently, he was saying he got bullied and stuff. Which is, if you watch the match, it kind of looked like Tsitsipas was. I mean, Kyrgios was talking to the box and whatnot, but it's like Tsitsipas was the one that was tagging overheads at him, trying to hit with forehands, and looked like he was out of sorts player. So I think at the end of that one, though, after Tsitsipas was able to kind of go back and kind of regroup, ended up playing doubles with Kyrgios at the end of the year, I think he grew from that match, and I think we'll see a lot more of a mature Tsitsipas in 2023. Yeah, Tsitsipas had some weird losses. He had like some... Pretty standout losses that Gallon are very the memorable. US Open. Gallon, it's like he still had not overcome US that. Open. George, George in Cincinnati too yep. was in yep. front of everybody. Just kind yep. of gutted him. I yep. feel like. Yep. Dude, uh, George was incredible that match, but he just went right through City Boss's back. Yeah. Yeah. But that was no. But there was like some just bad blood with a couple people that just kept surfacing, and it's just well, like I agree. He needs to. Where is your stock? On City Pass after this year, is it higher than what it was, or is it the same? Do you feel like you, do you believe a little bit less than him as a Grand Slam future champion? Where, where do you feel like he is now? I mean, I feel like, like you said, it, like if he comes back and he's stronger from like, kind that's of, my like, prediction. I feel like, yeah, if he's doing that, like I think it's big to kind of play doubles with, like, curious. I think that for some reason I do him. too. Like I. Don't, I, I, I do too, because I, I felt like it was like that was that was the ugliest of all of them. It fun. was, and I think like it, in his head it was like, all right, like I can. This is sports. This is not personal. This is like a part of what I do for a living. The drama is what brings people to our sport. I can be a part of that, and I can enjoy it as well. I don't, I won't put the pressure on myself to 
And I think that's going to help him in the long run. That's what it is, because he's adding, he's making it harder for himself. And I think that. I think he realizes that. Exactly. So you're printing exactly. all those people just that immediately aren't going to kind of have your back. Exactly. All that, and now, all that. And now he's going to win some fans back because they're like, oh, he's, he, he is not going to like. He's figuring it out. Exactly. Which I think was cool. So yep, I'll, me too. That's, glad we're on the same page. <laughs> Next up, Daniil Medvedev. Can't, I got on my notes, has to get back to his ways broken after AO Finals 2022. I mean, I feel like there's definitely like an injury there that was limiting him. So we'll see. I think it, if he makes a deep run in the Aussie Open, then he's back. If he doesn't, he gets beat early, then yeah, maybe he's done. It, like, I think we... So now he's a... Like, things change, I guess, when you're a father. <coughs> he's married. So he's married, he's got a kid now. But I feel like he was playing his best tennis when he was showing a lot of emo- like emotion and kind of engaging the crowd and kind of being himself, like kind of just being goofy. Like I, we saw him in the U.S. Open have the interactions with the fans. I just feel like he, after that Australian Open, like it, he found it hard to like be um, himself. Almost like he he lost his personality. I, like I stopped seeing the Medvedev that kind of made him Daniil Medvedev and. I, I want to see him kind of get that swagger back because he, he had like the dork, the dorky, goofy confidence where he was like doing all these goofy celebrations that we were all imitating like two years ago. And yeah, the finger wag, wagging and the weird like dancing and all this like, it's like, get that swagger back. You're one of the greatest hardcore players the last of the last three years. Like go back and like start hitting the ball. You, hopefully you worked on coming forward a little bit. You're one of the best servers in the world. He's in. He's unconventional, though. And Very I think, unconventional. I think for that sure, with yeah. those guys, it is a confidence thing. As you look across the of the field of people that you're playing day in and day out, and you see all these guys that's striking the ball in a different manner than you strike it. And so, when you're winning, it's like I'm doing it right. They're all doing it wrong. They just haven't figured me out. But yeah. then when you get exposed, and it's then like, they all just take a maybe, note out of that page. Yeah, they, maybe, maybe I need to change that thing that yep. I do. And it's like it's like they all just took a page out of Nadal's match against yeah. him, and they just kept exploiting him all, all season. Yeah, long. bring him up to the front, watch him come forward, and then he falls apart. Yep. So I think I think Maddie will have a bounce back year. I, I hope think, so. I, I hope so as well. And I think he's he's one of those guys you just six foot six freak that serves that big. It's it won't take much for him to get that confidence back, I don't think. Yep. Matteo Berrettini is the next guy I have listed in here. A re- kind of a recovery year. He started off the year well, taking out Alcaraz at the Australian Open um, before we – I think Carlos was – I don't even know if he was top 15 yet at the time. Um, I, I think it was like outside the top 20, actually. I know he was like the 29th seed, actually. Um, but Berrettini had – that was probably arguably his biggest win of the year. And he was coming into the Wimbledon as a – for me, I thought he was like a fa- like one of the favorites, top three favorites to win that event. I mean, as well as Novak, and I I would have had him after Novak potentially, and catches COVID at a horrible time, and didn't really ever get his feet back underneath him until it was too late. Had a decent showing at the U.S. Open. Looked like he was starting to get his confidence back. But I actually was talking to him at the Western and Southern on his practice court, and he said that the COVID really messed him up. He lost lost a lot of weight, lost a lot of strength. He could lose some weight. Huh. He's he, a big boy. He's got some. He's, he's, a, he's a big boy, but he's he's got big chest, small legs. It's like he just needs to distribute that weight a little bit. But you gotta get the weight on the bottom half of his legs. Go to Dick Sporting Goods. Push and, it uh, down. Buy some calf muscles. They got a, on, on the discount rack. No. Get um, a kettlebell. No, but I, where do you see? Like, I feel like we haven't seen Bertini play a whole lot, but do you think he has a? Do you think you expect to see him in the top ten, top fifteen after this year? No, I think that that's one of mine. I've got 
kind of going down. Yeah. But that's just, I feel like the, um, the backhand is a little rough. The backhand is definitely and a little it, rough. And I feel like that's another one of those things that just kind of gets exposed when you get playing a bigger, a guy that's not afraid to just redirect everything to mm -hmm. a certain spot. He's a great, he's a great player. That's why he's dangerous on, on grass. It's hard to exploit. It's the, hard to move it. The backhand because yeah. he can slice the backhand and get away with it because he just kind of slides it back to the deep in the court. Well, it's weird too. There's a slice is nasty. And the slice like, is super, it's, like, it's tough. You feel like that would just, but you can't. You have to have. Yeah, you, you got to be able to come over the ball. I mean, yeah. at some point you have to be able to come over the ball to punish guys for leaving the ball short and stuff. And you can't let guys get away. And but you, the top ten, there's got to. Some people got to be moving out because exactly. there's no, people yeah. moving in, for and sure. it's just that's one of the guys that I just see moving out a little right. bit. But, Fair enough. But and if he comes back and makes a run in the Australian Open, we'll then be sure to I'll call be you out. yeah. Guys, remember, remember what JP said about him. Not dogging you. <laughs> that's. I know you're friends with Nate. <laughs> I wish I could call Berrettini a friend. We're gonna <laughs> we'll make that happen this year. Cool dude, super nice fella, and he's a, a big. If you guys are familiar with the University of Cincinnati campus, he's a big uh, something tavern, whatever that tavern is. I was, a few of my friends saw him at some pub, oh, yeah. some pub in Clifton after he lost in Western Southern. He was just out there having a beer by himself. I'm like, Aww. what a what a guy. Um, all right, Taylor Fritz is the next guy up. <clears throat> Can he build off of this? breakout season where he won his first Masters 1000, reached the top 10, and he was pretty steady in the top 10 throughout the whole year. Yeah, I mean, I think with Taylor Fritz, that watching him for the last three years, it's like he's beating people now that I think he should beat, whereas, like, um, he used to kind of just kind of be a little phasey and lose to yep. matches that – so, granted – no, he did lose in the U.S. Open no, really early. I know you're gonna bring it up. No, I'm not. No, but what you just said is spot on. I think he, f for the heavy majority of the year, he beat everybody he was supposed to beat. That's what I mean. One like, slip up. I yeah. mean, it, unfortunately, it's at the his home slam, which is a bummer. Uh, actually, to a guy that he grew up with in California, just a, probably kind of a weird match for Can't him. Can't do that. To, yeah, but I was shocked that he lost that match. Yeah, because he could have really solidified one of the best years for an American in a long time yeah and when he when he's playing against Nadal too I think that like in a in a Indian Wells I was gonna say Wimbledon oh Wimbledon yeah 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 there's <coughs> just he's playing at the highest level Definitely. I mean like a legit top 10 American in the top 10 of the Americans that's continually beating people and playing at that level I like, wish I, I no, just, you're right I just wish I was a bigger fan me too I, I really want to be a fan of this guy I just I so I just maybe he'll grow on me. I don't know what it is. I don't I, play the tennis the same way he does, so I just it's yeah. hard for me to kind of like. I, it's awesome because he's got the same flag, and I'm that's, totally that's with true. him for that. But it's just it's I just a different like when game. I watch Tiafo, I watch Tommy Paul, I watch. I mean, me too. Korda, Nakashima, yeah. like McDonald, Wolf, all those guys. It's just like yep, I, I find myself dudes. I find myself pulling for those guys, like no matter who it's against, almost. Me too. When I watched Fritz. I don't know. That's just my own personal opinion. I uh, maybe this Netflix series dropping here in January is going to change up my mind because yeah, you know, I hope the guy, so. Me too. One of the faces of this uh, show. <laughs> Lastly, we got the man Francis Tiafo. Was that run at the U.S. Open a fluke? Was it real? Is he going to build off of it? This is a top twenty-five talent for sure. Where do you see yeah. Tiafo going in twenty-three? I love Tiafo. I think that there's a good, good chance that um, he moves down in 23 just yeah. only because I feel that when you, you 
listen to his interviews after the U.S. Open. He's just like saying, like, I'm going to recommit. Like, that's where I mm-hmm. want to be. I want to be doing these kind of playing in, into the semis. Like, I mean, I feel like that's what it takes is yep. to kind of do it. You got to, you got to, it's, it's, it's insane. But you, after you get to that level of top 20, top 25, you have to, you have to find another gear. Yeah. Like another gear. Which he found it. He, he totally found it. It's true. And like another, but it's isn't that nuts to find another gear of, dedica- yeah. of like dedication and commitment to your craft. I know it's crazy. And Tiafoe's got the athletic tools to do it. And he's got the nastiest cut slice. He does. He does. He bends got, it. Bends back, it. He can. He really. The back hit is. I mean, he, it's so simple. It's like it's hard to. It's not a lot of room for error in that swing. The forehand is definitely can punish the forehand. The serve was looking sharp this year. It's like he needs a mean streak. He does because he's just he's, he's just I such feel, a nice he's such a nice he's person. Such a nice dude. He needs to get the savage inside to kind of cut somebody. And I he needs to cut someone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shit. But I, I think I think having the support he had from celebrities, from whether it was I mean all the or the NBA type players that he had in the box. He had Caldwell Pope, Bradley Beal. Unlike having kind of the spotlight of like the pop culture of American culture around him, I think that would at kind the of US Open. at the U.S. Open, oh, absolutely. And speci- like specifically, I think that is going to add fuel to his fire of like, wow, like look what I did after just one run at a slam. Imagine if I do that across this calendar year and I get some of these guys tuning into American tennis for an actual period of time that they can actually follow tennis. It's like, and I think he's starting to realize that. I listened to him on the JJ Reddick podcast about two weeks ago. And that was a, a really fun interview to listen to. So if you check, if you want to check out the Old Man and the Three podcast, Francis Tiafo joins some NBA guys that grew to appreciate tennis because of the run he went on, and it was an inspiring run. It's like they he got to tell his story again, which is an amazing story. And this, he talked about how much that U.S. Open crowd like did, like how much it did for him, and how much it meant to hear that the noise and yeah, because we want we want someone to win. We want to. We do. We want to. The U.S. Open crowd is electric, and if a, if an American wins and yeah, hosts that tro- hoist that trophy again, it is the roof will blow off. And we saw what it what they did for Serena in her last run, and what they did for uh, Tiafo and stuff. It's like if somebody actually wins it, they're gonna have a parade in that city. I mean, the last what, who's the last last one to win a major? Roddick. Yeah. Yeah. An American. Yeah. That's like twenty years ago. Yes, sir. Let's it was. go. Let's this, go. This year, this this upcoming year, it'll be twenty years. Finish it off. This has been one of my favorite podcasts that we've done so far. I'm just gonna say that right now. Better than wait, better than World Tennis League. World Come Tennis on. League. Come World, on, man. That was a good one. Twenty seven talks. <laughs> Twenty seven <laughs> talks. <laughs> no, I'm just having fun because like we had such a fun year of watching tennis and yeah. traveling into these awesome events, and there was a lot of fun storylines. Yeah, we got to finish it off. Podcast is doing. This is a great. I love the podcast. Love the, getting all the feedback. We. This is a great. One of the most interesting things I get to do in my life is talk tennis with you. So let's go, 2022. Baby. Baby. Let's go, baby. Cheers to 2023. 2023. In 2023, we're gonna be we're taking off with this podcast. We're gonna have some fun guests lined up, and we're gonna run with this thing because awesome I, guests coming. Awesome guests coming. We're gonna do more guests. That's that. That's my goal. Is like now that I've we're getting into rhythm now. I'm I'm taking it upon myself to to book these guests finally. And there's I won't make any more promises because we. We'll just let them. We'll leave them we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll just let it happen. Let it come to fruition. I want to finish off the last podcast of the year with a top ten players draft. Uh, let's let's do it one by one. Okay. 
I'll I'll draft. I'll go first. I'll take out. I'll I'll be the boring guy. I'll take Novak number one. I think heading into 2023, the best tennis player in the world is Novak Djokovic. If I had the first pick, I would take Djokovic too. But since I'm ta- since I'm picking two, I'm going to take the new best player with Alcaraz. I'm taking him because like head to head on anybody <laughs> in tour, you can put him in as long as he's not playing Goffin. <laughs> Like, you can put Alcaraz and you think the odds are going to favor Alcaraz. So I'm taking him. Got to go with the guy that won two slams in 2022. I think he's got his body in a good spot again. He seems like he's figured out some of his foot issues. Got to go with Rafael Pereira Nadal. I think that's a great pick. And I, 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 I I wouldn't argue that because only reason I think this is his last year, he said it. So like, he, I don't know. Are I we mean, saying that already? Saying it a long time. I don't know. I I have a hard time believing he he sets the sticks down after this year, unless unless his body fails him. It's the foot. It is the foot. Yeah. But I, I just. We'll no, see. I mean, we we'll don't see. have to go into that. I'm not, I'm we should do a whole match. podcast on the foot. We, we will. And like, we'll bring the foot doctor in for we it. We should. My I'm taking number four, and I'm gonna go Casper Rude. I like it. Because I love the way he plays tennis. And we talked about five-set matches earlier. We didn't even bring any of them up, but he's got more five-set matches than anybody else on tour because dude's a dog. He is physical. He's just, his his physical fitness is a different level. I mean, he lost a match in West, at the Western Southern to Ben Shelton. The next morning, oh, I went right. to the I went to the practice court. He got dogged one and one. Yeah. The next day, he was out in the practice courts early in the morning just in a full-on sweat with like something on his chest that was like, calculating his it was just like all right this guy's pretty dedicated it goes on to make the run to the finals and that loss to ben shelton won't be history will remember that is not a bad loss that's true we didn't talk about ben shelton at all in this podcast yeah we didn't but that dude's gonna be special all right i'll take the fifth pick in the draft for the pure tennis podcast i'm gonna take sir nicholas i knew it curios 40 and 12 on the year one of the highest winning percentages of anybody in the world on the biggest stages, he played his best tennis, and I thought he just, like, I, I honestly this year I trusted him. Like, it didn't like against Tsitsipas, I was like, the I think Kyrgios is the better player, and like the fact that I felt that confident with a guy that was so unstable the last few years, I don't know something clicked, and I think he I think he found his girlfriend that he seems to be in love with, potentially his wife. I think he really wants to win a slam before it's all said and done, and I think he's gonna do a lot of things off the court that he has not done prior to make that happen. And I, I think that, that I just be all the arguments that you just made for Curious is why I'm going to take Medvedev next. I know Woo! that it wasn't even in the top in all our right. earlier top ten because there's he didn't there's make, a bunch yeah, of dudes I was, that I want to yeah. like say. I like, but it. I'm taking Medi because I feel like he comes back into 2023 and get a little bit of his get a little bit more of his respect that's wow. deserved. I like so. it. I like it. So number six, you're taking Daniil Medvedev. Yep. All right. Number seven, I will take. Sir Felix, Azure, Ali Asim. That's a good pick. I think this, so number seven, it's one spot off of his actual ranking. I think that fits him pretty spot on. He's right in that next tier after being a a top contender. I think he has all the goods to be one. I think he's just going to continue to improve. His work ethic seems like it's next to none. And I think he's just having fun with it again. And I hope he starts to show more personality because I think he would be someone that tennis fans really kind of gravitate towards. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you don't have to say much more. We've already kind of done our spout on his awesome season, but give me Felix Algerio. That's a great pick. I put that like so right now. I feel like there's this we've kind of fallen into a, a world of in this next pick. There's like 
10 guys Number that I eight. could say. There's like 10 dudes they're, they're, at, at the 8 level. Like, no, that's... And so like, for me, I'm going to probably upset because I'm not going to pick Titsy Poss even though he's probably the legit yep. 7. He's probably the 6. Yep. But like... No, I, I could have picked Titsy Poss. I, th- I, had, I thought about it. I thought about it. I thought about it on the Medi spot, right, but right. like I'm taking Medi. You take Felix. I I agree with that. You're not gonna. You're gonna let him slide again. And I I'm gonna let him slide again Woo! because I'm gonna like for me like the hottest guy on tour only because he just beat yeah. up Djokovic. Is I'll take Holger. Damn, damn! I had him on my damn. Mm. I had him at the yep at the eight at with the, like a slash Tsitsipas slash yeah. Rublev slash like there's like yeah, ten there's, guys I would put in that true. spot. So so you, you went with Holger. I'll take Holger though. That's, I love that only pick. because he's bombing stuff. And it, and it seems like, but I don't. I think that picks. Good luck beating like, that guy no, I, though. I, I, That's all I'm saying. I like the, no exactly. I like the pick. Like Tsitsipas, I'll I'll have to take him at this spot now. But I mean, we watched, but Holger's just. I think he's more solid. Yeah, he is. Like. He swings harder and bigger at the backhand. He has the mean streak. He can return the the kick serve to the backhand. Is not going to hurt Holger like it hurts Sitsipas. He's comfortable playing defense at this point. Not maybe not quite at Sitsipas's level, yeah. but he's a better offensive player than Sitsipas. The forehand isn't at Steph's level just yet, but because the backhand I think is <coughs> much. I mean, it's a pretty lengthy distance better, especially on the run. I think he's got more of a Arsenal. Yeah, I I just have to take. I don't know. I, I like the pick for Holger in, I mean, the, in the serve. I don't know. So I'll take Tsitsipas. It's but, funny because we just basically did his argument, Rublev's argument as to why he's better than Tsitsipas too. Yep. He's got a. What, That's like, true. Well, Rublev. His, his forehand. His forehand his is bad, not better than mine. Yeah. His backhand is not better than mine. We just totally oh did gosh, that, but we did so it for. Funny. So no, I mean, it's like that. That's so a, I got Tsitsipas at. What was that nine? So that be I took it. I took Holger at eight. Yeah, so, so I got six plus at nine. nine. Wow! And number ten, we got a few names in the mix here. This is what a loaded top ten we got. Tell me, ten can just go. I mean, there's just so many. I mean, dudes. You got Fritz, Sinner, Nori, Cam, Rublev, Rublev. It's a tough picker. I mean, if I had to take one of those guys, I I would take right now. It'd be center. Yep. Only because I feel like yep. the, the the youth and the in the feet. All if you take the whole twenty twenty three, and not just look at the Aussie Open that's coming yep. up, and like who's going to perform on a consistent manner for the rest of the twenty twenty three, I would put center there. I like it. Yannick Center mm-hmm. showed that he's obviously he's, he's a dangerous player on the grass and the hard courts. Solid on clay as well now. Yeah. So I mean that's to be well rounded across all all three surfaces and to have results and. He's just got the length and the the speed. He's, he's getting stronger. I, I I just think Rublev is a little bit too one-dimensional for my liking. I think Cam Nori doesn't quite have the offense to really – like he can stack one win uh, against one of these top players, but it's like can Nori take out two of these guys in a row? Yeah. I don't in think five, so. In, in, in a best of five, I don't think so. Fritz is right there for yeah, me. Yeah, he's totally right he's, there. Fritz is – for me, it's center than Fritz. <laughs> it's super close, though. Um, yeah, like a slash. Yeah, like, it's, it's super, it's put, tight. You could put Fritz into the like Fritz is, eight spot. Yep, that's and true. Depending, like, the matchup that he's getting, like, all these guys. All about the matchup. And it's really, like, like, Felix, like you said earlier, he's got through into the top eight. Not We never saw him at the end of any of these majors, because, but he's he's beating people throughout the year, playing as many tournaments as possible. And getting through, but it's like if we're talking about our top ten best best players, which you've already put Curious in the top four, 
that were top five. Like yep. we're talking about people like if just a head to head matchup, who do you think is gonna win? I think we got the right ones. Love it. I think that's a great way to end our year of podcasts. Been a ton of fun to get in here as many times as we could. Hopefully we can double our output this next year. I know we have a ton of fun doing this, guys. We appreciate all the input from you guys and any of the kind of all of all your messages and just commentary. I mean, we see some of, of our people that listen. It's just like it's a tennis family that we uh, just have a lot of fun with and can't wait to grow our audience. Hopefully this next coming year, follow our Instagram, Pure Tennis Podcast. We try to stay active as we can on there, and we'll show more of our traveling and tournaments that we go to, and we'll highlight the juniors as well. But guys been a ton of fun to get this thing off the ground and lifted i definitely wouldn't feel nearly as good about this if i didn't have one of the best producers and sound engineers in the business i can't wait to keep continue to do this guys see you guys in 2023 a lot more coming talk to you guys soon and have a great weekend have a great new year's happy new year yes sir much love guys